0: Welcome to the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Podcast, part of CBP's Shine a Light Suicide Prevention Program. Today we are talking with Border Patrol Agent Cody and Dr. Kent Corso, a clinical psychologist specializing in suicide prevention. In this episode, Agent Cody discusses an incident that happened on the job that led to thoughts of suicide. Hi, and welcome to our monthly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today and to our guest for being with us. Just a few caveats before we get going. I am a clinical psychologist, so I am a doctor, but I'm not the doctor for our guest. This isn't therapy or counseling, nor is anything we talk about today going to involve or constitute medical advice. This is just a conversation. Another disclaimer is that suicide is a difficult topic to talk about. It's not one that we can discuss vaguely or indirectly if we hope to make a difference. So for our listeners out there, we are going to have a frank conversation today. If by any chance you have lived experience or you are triggered, if anything we discuss is upsetting or distressing to you, please reach out for help. Reach out to those who care for you and love you and reach out to those who you love. If you're a CBP employee or family member and you need help, you can always contact a peer support member, chaplain, we're a veteran support member. Or you can reach out to our employee assistance program. If you are not a CBP employee, you can always call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Lifeline. This month, our Suicide Prevention Podcast is focused on the topic of loss. Since we are coming up to the holidays, it's a time of year that, while many people celebrate, other people struggle. And that struggle may be personal loss, or it may be loss they've experienced in the workplace. We've got Cody with us today, who's talking to us about his experiences with loss. I met Cody when I was doing some suicide prevention briefings at musters in the field. So thanks for being with us today, Cody. Oh, thank you for having me. Why don't we begin by just sharing some of the things you shared with me about your experience with loss in the field. And how you think that pertains to suicide and suicide prevention?
1: Sure. So uh, it was a couple months back now. I was at work. We got a call over the radio about a vehicle accident. So myself and uh, you know, pretty much as many agents that, that were available started rolling towards this accident. And we could hear over the radio that it, it sounded like it was pretty bad. When we got there, it wound up being a mass casualty. At least 30 some odd people in this van that was going about 100 miles an hour. And uh lost control there was quite a few dead on scene quite a few that while we were treating them that didn't make it and you know we've seen a lot of death this year I mean this the summers in South Texas they're they're brutal so we had seen you know almost on a daily basis we were recovering dead bodies uh, from the brush so death is not anything new for me, but this mass casualty was something that that was different in the fact that, it was so much death all at once.
0: So it sounds like what you're saying is, although you might see death every day or every week, and sometimes it's it's a decomposed body or partially decomposed body that maybe has been there for weeks or months, this was a little different because it was all at once. And it also sounds like one thing that made it different was it was immediate. It had, it was very recent. Am I understanding you? Yes, yes. Okay, so had that affect you differently? What was different about it?
1: So with... uh. I mean, I know we had talked before, you know, with the the culture of the Border Patrol, whenever someone asks, hey, you want peer support? Or hey, do you want this resource? It's usually, no, I'm good to go. And with all the different uh, experiences I've had, that's always been the case. Uh, but with this one, as soon as I got in my vehicle and went to go leave the scene, I broke down. Yeah. You know, I was crying. I couldn't stop. And I almost felt like it was just a completely new experience. I mean, it's it's hard to describe. Kind of overwhelming. Overwhelming, yes. And like an overwhelming feeling of loss. Like, I didn't know these people. I didn't, I have no relationship to them whatsoever. But there was definitely that overwhelming feeling of loss. How'd you handle it? Well, at that time, I was struggling to even figure out how I was going to handle it because that's when I realized, you know, this is not something that I'm going to be able to tackle on my own. This isn't something that I can just bury down and lock it down. You know, I'm going to need help. So initially, you know, I got into, uh, was a ranch gate, not too far from where the accident was. And I pulled in there just so I wasn't driving, you know, the way I was feeling, called my dad you know, told him I loved him mm-hmm. and, you know, he could tell right away that something was wrong. He asked me what happened. And I was trying to describe what had happened as best I could. He was like, well, are you going to get help? I'm like, well, that's what I'm trying to work on right now. So when I got back to the station, one of the EMTs that was out there, who's also my best friend. He had been in the military, you know, so he's no stranger to you know things like this. And I talked to him, you know, not trying to figure out how I was going to deal with it, but just talking to someone who understood what I was going through. Why is it that he would understand? Do you think he's been through mass casualties before? And he he was in the initial push in Iraq uh, when the war broke out. So scenes like this are, are something that's not it's not new to him. He's always been a kind of a a fixed point for me to focus on when, you know, when I need some guidance, he's got an awful lot of experience. So I talked to him again, not trying to figure out how I was going to deal with it, but just talking to someone who understood, mm-hmm. who knew what I was going through. And then, uh, after that, I went to go talk to the supervisors. They, they asked me, you know, do you want peer support? And I said, well, not today because I'm still trying to figure out what is going on with me, but yes, I am going to need help. And then from there it was, uh, I Just gain the help that I needed to help me deal with it. Did you have a good experience with
0: either peer support or chaplain or EAP? So I actually dealt
1: with three separate entities. Uh, peer support was the was the first after talking to, you know, to my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and peer support I had used on occasion for different things, but yeah, peer support was very helpful. Again, you know our peer support system that's that's a fellow agent. So although they might not had the same experiences that you do or that I did, they at least had a general idea because they're they're part of the workforce.
0: And just one thing to point out here, I really appreciate you saying that, Cody. Anyone can contact any peer support member. You don't have to contact the ones who work right around you or close by. You can reach out across the country, completely opposite coasts, completely opposite borders. So I just want to put that out there because there are some of our listeners who may not be aware of that
1: right and i mean there's also a misconception right that uh because one of the the flaws that i kind of see with peer support is what should be a benefit also is kind of the flaw as well where they're they are an agent they are the same green uniform as us and we as board patrol i mean anyone that's you know been in service for any amount of time knows we're worse than high school (laughs) we gossip constantly and so it can be it can be kind of hard for yeah, it can be hard for for someone to approach peer support. Mm-hmm. Uh just wondering, is my story gonna come out before I'm ready for it too? Right. But I can say, you know, that's not the case for me at least. Um, you know, if that is a worry for someone, I mean, yeah, you can reach out to any peer support member from anywhere in the United States mm-hmm. who's not involved with this station that you might be assigned to. But you know, from my personal experience and I've dealt with, you know, a couple of different peer support members from my station, it's always been a great experience. You know, I've I haven't had any issues with it. That's good to hear. That's good to hear.
0: And so how does all this connect to the topic of suicide? Our listeners might be wondering.
1: With this incident, I hadn't had any thoughts of hurting myself or committing suicide. What this incident was for me was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, the past two years has been a very trying and difficult time for everyone. You know, not just law enforcement, but you know, everyone across the board. Uh, you've got the pandemic, you've got the rising cost of pretty much everything, gas, groceries, You know, you name it. People are struggling you know and there's a lot of stuff going on that, that we're not used to I mean, you know on top of the stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. So when it comes to loss and suicide, this incident was something that helped me realize that I was having issues at home that I hadn't been able to initially put my finger on. Uh, my wife has been struggling with depression and anxiety for for years now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't know very much about it and with all the stuff that we see it in work, when she would say that she was dealing with stress at home, I'm like, well, you're at home. You know, you're not dealing with the stuff that we are. You're not seeing the stuff that we're seeing. So in, in other words, you were kind of comparing for a moment there. Right. And which is, which is unfair, right? Because they might not see the same type of stressors, the same type of, uh, of things that we do, but they deal with their own fair share of, of stress. You know, especially being a stay at home mom with the same two kids in the same four walls for eight years. I do one day with the kids while she's out, you know, going to Corpus for, for whatever she needs to do. And I'm ready to rip my hair out sometimes. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> right. Right. You
0: said so now you have a better appreciation for sort of her struggle with, with that. Right. Fixer. But, but I think the important point that you are highlighting is that stress is relative. What's stressful for you may not be stressful for me.
1: But we shouldn't discount that or somehow place a value on it, right? Exactly. A week after that mass casualty, and we're already dealing with all the stressors from home, everything that's been going on, and now this. And then a week later, I get a call while I'm at work from my wife saying that I need to come home. I asked if everything was okay. She said, no, I'm not in a good place right now. I was like, oh, boy. So cleared out, got home, and I find her in bed. I I stir her just to see if she's awake and she's babbling almost incoherently. Uh, She kept saying, I need to find peace, but I can't find peace. And that's when I realized, and and that was, it was like on, on a constant repeat, like anything I asked her, that's Mm -hmm. all that would come out. Mm -hmm. She was trembling. She was shaking. And that's when I had to ask her, are you having thoughts of killing yourself? Mm -hmm. And she said, yes. That's a scary moment. It was terrifying. And especially when it hadn't been the first time that that has happened. But before, neither of us really understood it. Neither of us really really knew what to to do with it.
0: Do you think that one of the reasons why this time talking to your wife was different was because the mass casualty made you so aware
1: of how precious life is? Yes, absolutely. You know, cause It also made me feel vulnerable, you know, you know how quickly that many lives can be snuffed out all in one go. You know, and all it would take was just one split-second decision from my wife to actually go through with it. And then that would be a tremendous loss. And before, you know, it, it was made even more difficult by the fact that neither of us really understood it. N- um, none of us, none of our families knew about it, and nor did we even... We didn't even know how to begin to tell them. You know, how do you tell? You know, your mom or your dad that, you know, or your uh, your in laws that you're wanting to kill yourself. That you had thoughts of it.
0: So it sounds like you guys are in a different place now. Somehow you figured out how to share that, how to involve them in the process, and
1: seek some professional support. Am I on the right? So I had started off uh, after. Uh, after peer support, going to a triage for for mental health and and mental well being, you know, trying to guide you on the right path as far as what might be the best way to go, and they're also great listeners.
0: So you went to the contracted on-site clinicians that we have.
1: Yes, excellent. Yeah, they uh, they set up an appointment with me to come to the station uh, on duty and and set up some time and a place to to where we can talk. And, you know, between peer support and then EAP, you know, at first, everything was mass casualty, mass casualty, mass casualty, you know, the incident. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But inadvertently, that conversation would always steer back towards my home life. So you're saying in all the conversations with contracted
0: counseling of various types, including EAP, including peer support, although mass casualty was the front and center initial conversation, all of the conversation started to
1: shift and it was back to the home light. Right. You know, because we knew there was a problem. We just didn't know how bad it was. And it wasn't until this mass casualty that I realized it's not the mass casualty that's that's causing me to feel this way. I mean, it's definitely one of the triggers. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because there was Mm -hmm. a lot of loss, but it wasn't the entirety of it. You know, all the stressors that had built up over time, you know, the past few years, maybe even from the beginning of the marriage, you know, everything going on with the, with Border Patrol, my career, her life at home, all of this, all of this stress, all of this, everything we've been dealing with had been building up for so long that when this mass casualty hit, you know, it was, the floodgates just opened. Sure. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't any one particular event. It was... Everything that led up to it, and that's when I realized, you know, had I maybe gotten help sooner, mm-hmm. had I been told you're gonna go get seek, you're gonna go seek counseling, at least walk through the door, you know, with some of the other traumatic uh, events that I had seen, you know, maybe I would have realized that sooner. Maybe I could have gotten help from my wife sooner. Right. Maybe I wouldn't have almost lost my my marriage. Um, My family, my relationship. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like the vulnerability is what allowed you
0: to start looking at the rest of your life, at your marriage, at your wife, and some of the things she was struggling with. And the trigger that made you vulnerable was that mass casualty incident. Yes. So I don't think that's very different than what most people experience in life whether it's a mass casualty whether it's the death of a parent and certainly those are the common losses that people will experience around the holidays maybe it's a divorce maybe it's the loss of a child loss of a parent another loved one a friend and that becomes this trigger for depression anxiety grief any of any of the above what i appreciate about your story cody is that You experience something so intense that it made you open enough to sort of self-examine or to look at what else might be going on. And this is sometimes the common case is that whatever triggers us is not the real problem. It's what wakes us up so that we can start attending to the real problem. Right. So, so really love love that you shared all that because it does paint a common picture of, of how we humans operate in the face of loss and stress
1: right you know, and it it was definitely a difficult time uh but you know since then uh, my wife has become so much stronger you know not, not that she wasn't strong <laughs> before you know she's one tough gal but she has become much stronger and you know i had actually asked her about uh about whether or not we were even going to tell this story, um, Mm -hmm. on this podcast. And her response was, and I'm so proud of her for it. If our story can help others and potentially save a life it needs to get out. She's like, she said, I should not be ashamed of what happened. I should not be ashamed or disappointed in myself. I'm trying to, I was able to empower myself Mm -hmm. And get my life back, take back control of my life. And maybe this story can help others do just the same, empower them to take back their life.
0: That is such a resilient way to look at all of this. It is such a, in fact, from my perspective, it's evidence of her resilience and your resilience that you can bounce back from something with this new frame or new angle about it. And it's like, yeah. Life was tough. Things were bad, but now I'm better for it. And if I can help someone else benefit, then that's an even more helpful thing to do. It, it it does remind me of our first podcast. We were talking to a U.S. Border Patrol agent, Terry, who had lost his son to suicide in June of 2021. And after about three months, he said, I'm kind of a new person and I've really come through all this and I'm, I'm now a stronger person. And so, Cody, what it reminds me of is what's called post-traumatic growth. And it's after you experience a really difficult time, whether it's suicide, whether it's mass casualty, no matter what it is, we come out on the other side of it, not only a different person, but sort of stronger and better in some ways. Right. Right. Would you, would you say that that's what she experienced and what maybe you experienced, this sort of post-traumatic growth?
1: Absolutely. I mean, our relationship is better than it's ever been. And before, I mean, we were really struggling. You know, a few months ago, we were both ready to walk out the door and leave this relationship behind. You know, leave everything mm-hmm. behind. She had packed her bags several times to leave because she was so... She had the belief that everything was her fault, and it wasn't. And, uh, right, you know, we would always able to come back from it of course but it was like putting a band-aid on it and hoping that the bleeding would stop and it never did you know just continued to to get worse and worse and worse it was almost like an infection that kept growing finally we were able to take back control of our life take back control of our relationship and really communicate with one another and understand what we were both going through
0: well done well done so even in the individual struggles each of you were experiencing, you also and the sort of couples or marital struggle you were experiencing,
1: you were able to find a way to work together to overcome all of it. Right. You know, and she had uh and maybe there's some of a uh, some listeners don't know this, uh, all those resources, they're not just for us. You know, our spouses, our loved ones, they didn't necessarily volunteer to be the family member of law enforcement. And that comes with its own set of stressors. That being said, mm-hmm. all these sources are also available to our loved ones. And she was able to seek help from them. And let's be clear, they're not only available, but they're free of charge. And that was uh, that was one of the biggest struggles for, for her, was trying to figure out one, where she was going to get in to be seen. I mean, when it comes to psychiatric and mental health, there's like a six-month waiting list down here. You know, just trying to get seen by by professional help. There was also the fear that, well, I've had thoughts of killing myself. Am I going to wind up in an institution? Am I going to lose my family anyways? She was of the belief that, okay, yeah, I might be in a hospital and I'm not dead, but I would rather be dead if I can't be with my family. And she was scared. And it made it real hard in the beginning for us to, for her to get help. And I certainly didn't want her to, to feel that way. All of these, uh, these resources were able to steer that conversational way. They were able to let her know, hey, we don't want to send you for something that's going to wind up making your situation worse. You know, Because again, it's all about trying to take your life back, empower you and your loved ones, not add more stress and anxiety to the situation.
0: And, and so to your, to your point, you haven't had any negative career impact as a result of the stuff you've struggled with, the help you've gotten, nor have you had career impact in a negative way because she sought help. Is that right?
1: Correct. In fact, uh, there's a few more people who work that, that know about my situation than I might not have even told about. It was difficult in the beginning to talk to really anyone about it. You know, I didn't want to be that guy, but from this, you know, much like my wife, I got nothing to be ashamed of. You know, we're all going to experience stress and loss in our own way. And everyone that I talked to, everyone that was there, and even those that weren't, I realized just how many people had my back. And that helped to to really get me through everything was how many of my coworkers had my back. And they did. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they would see me down here and there, and they would come up to me, hey, if you ever need someone to talk to, I'm here. And all of a sudden, the story kept coming out, and I was able to bring out this story freely. You know, not just me, but also my wife. Because, again, she wanted it to come out. She wants to help people.
0: And she's part of the picture, right? I mean, like you said, the families, our families, have not only their own stuff to struggle with, but when we are stressed, it affects them. And like you said, they didn't sign up for this, did they?
1: No. No. No, they didn't. I mean, we're the ones that signed the contract willingly. They didn't, mm-hmm. you know. And although they might not be on the contract, they are
0: <laughs> right. They they signed a different contract. It has to do with the uh, maybe a band around their, their
1: ring finger, right? You know, God bless my wife. I mean, she's I am not the easiest guy to to get along with or be married to, and I know that. And she has done a uh, she's an incredible woman, and I'm so proud of everything that she's been able to to accomplish and how she was able to. To finally get through this, you know how we were able to to prevent something majorly traumatic from from ever happening.
0: That's you're you're fortunate. Well, in our last moment or so, this is all about loss. This is about resilience. This is about seeking help and what that's all about. Certainly, as it pertains to suicide, but also just as it relates to life in general. So we are heading into the holidays. That is a time of year that many people struggle. And one or two tips that I would offer, again, this is not medical advice, this is just good self-care, is to reach out to those who love you, friends, family, just as Cody mentioned, coworkers, and try to stay in the same routines that you typically have throughout the year, whether it's exercise, physical activity, nutrition. If you like alcohol, great but don't overdo it during the holidays and certainly don't use it as the way to manage the feelings. That's not helpful. If you're spiritual, turn to your spirituality, engage your spirituality, whatever that looks like for your faith, whether it's organized religion or not. But please know that there are free resources available to you and your family. And especially during these times, we as the clinical side of the house, we know to expect uh, more phone calls this time of year. So it's not like you're going to be burdening the system or or putting anybody out. So thanks again, Cody. Really appreciate your story. Thank you. This is part of our ongoing podcast series for suicide prevention and awareness. If you see someone struggling, say something. Asking them about suicidal thoughts may feel awkward, but you can help reduce suicide risk at home and in the workplace by tolerating that awkwardness. Simply ask, how can I help? and then just listen to the person. Make sure you ask them if they're thinking of ending their life. It really does make a difference. Thank you again to our guests. I really appreciate you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll speak to you again on our next episode.